Episode 29, we're back. Back in action, back from Houston, thank God. That place will bring out the fucking devil in you. Uh, yeah, it was a good trip. Good trip. We went out there. Friday landed. Friday did the appearance. Good turnout for the appearance. Um, we ended up going out Friday night to Bottle Blonde with our boy Rahelio. Rahelio. A guy we met last time, and and he always just spoils us. He fucking pays for the tables, pays for the party bus, pays for at the strip joint. I don't know how much he got out, but it was stacks, stacks of bread. Just divvies it out, and we just go ham. Didn't get too drunk. Had uh had some vodka shots, but I I tried to make sure the vodka shots were with water. Would always pound some water in between. I think the hangovers come from when I'm. When we drink a little bit and you just do sugar, even if it's juice, sugar, and then you do a shot of tequila and then you fucking chug a white claw and then you just mix up all these drinks. And then for me, I just wake up feeling like dog shit. But if I am going to drink a few drinks, um, if I do a little bit of vodka with water, with sparkling water, with lime, the hangover isn't too bad. Or like the IVs you like to do? Yeah. Some people do them before and after. Yeah, which I did. Um, my buddy here owns a IV company called Sunset Hydration. And then actually, Mariah and I just got one just now. She was feeling a little under the weather. I was feeling a little bit under the weather. So we got a, a bag of IV. He put magnesium in it. He put vitamin or B12 in it, a B complex in it. Um, for her, he put some Toradol to take away the headache. But straight to the system, straight to the fucking system. And, uh, they do make you feel good, give you a little bit of extra hydration. So, yeah, Friday night we came back super late. I think we got back, well, especially especially you boys. I puckered out pretty early. You boys were fucking around with Austin outside and went to bed way late. What time did you guys go to bed Friday or Saturday morning? I think, like, around 5. Oh, God. Because you were already asleep by, like, 3, maybe 4. Yeah, I was zonkered. And then... uh Yes, yeah, so that was a late night. Woke up feeling not not too terrible, and then uh, we went to a place called Thrive, got our IVs, and got back to life. Um, was able to rest rest a little bit. On, oh sorry, you can click that air, Jay. Oh the heat, sorry. Heat on the left side. Now it should be off. Yeah. So Saturday we got we didn't book a seminar this time, thankfully. So we got to rest a little bit. And then our boy Rahilio hooked us up with a, a Rolex um, authorized dealer. And my boy uh, Nick Seven Ten Labs from from Twitch. His dad owns a owns a watch store, so he's super knowledgeable about watches, and he's been kind of teaching me. At the Rolex store, to get one from an authorized dealer. You can get it at retail price. Rolex stores aren't allowed to bump up the price on watches. And usually to get one at an authorized dealer, it takes a year and a half to two years waiting list to even be able to get a watch. 
So randomly, I hit up Rahelio. I said, hey, do you have any uh, good connections for a Rolex? And he said, uh, yeah, he does. So then Sean and I went to the Rolex store about, I think, uh, 1 p.m., and we ended up, the last two that they have, the last two that they had for sale, we ended up scooping them for pretty good prices. Like this this watch right here, it's, I think, it, yeah, it's the Submariner. It's like an OG watch. And I think for the past five years or more, I'm not exactly sure on it. I'm still learning about these things. But the prices keep climbing and climbing and climbing and climbing. It's like, I'm not going to wear this watch all the time just once in a while, but it's more of an investment instead of investing in random shit like my fucking crypto that just took a dump. You can invest in these watches that's more of a solid investment, obviously, if you don't fucking lose it. But, dude, they're climbing. Like, okay, so this watch, say, I got it for 8900 bucks. Right off the bat, seven. my boy 710, his dad's store, he said, hey, we'll pay you 14000 for it. Right off the Right off the rip. So I'm like, dang, that's, that's pretty cool. But the Rolex stores don't like you doing that. They don't want you find they don't want to find out that you're buying these things at retail from them and then reselling them. They'll ban you from the list. They take a picture of your ID and everything and they'll they'll straight up just ban you so you can't get them from the retailers anymore. But it's crazy. So people so these these stores, they must get a, a hookup with the retailers, buy the Rolexes as many as they can, and then flip them right away for ten thousand dollars more or five thousand or six thousand dollars more because when people want to buy a rolex they don't want to wait a year and a half two years on the waiting list they want one right away so they buy them for way more that's crazy i never knew that that's like the same concept with anything like clothes like shoes how people just buy them for retail and then they just sell them for double triple the price yeah yeah which it makes it it makes it makes it crazier because you can't with shoes you can obviously well, shoes are limited too, right? Yeah, like that's why you have like reselling, like stock X and stuff. Those are usually just people like that buy them off of like say Foot Locker or whatever, for like say whatever two hundred bucks, and then they're reselling them for four, six hundred, depending on the shoe, how rare it is, and everything. So stock X, anybody can sell on there. I think so. I think it's like, like an eBay. Well, you send it to them and they verify them, make sure that the whatever you're selling, because it's not just shoes; it's pretty much anything at this point um just to make sure it's real and then StockX sells it for you and they take a cut oh and then you get your money but that's pretty crazy i didn't know that about rolexes like that people buy them at retail and resell them yeah well i just i don't think you're supposed to but i mean if i hold this thing for yeah. fucking five years and resell it i don't think they're gonna well get websites pissed. are trying to do that with like clothes and stuff too trying to narrow the reselling market down but because there's, like, some brands, like, that will sell out quick, and people will resell. Like, even, like, some of uh, Happy Dad's, like, Full Send merch, people resell it. Like oh, really? they'll buy it for, like, 30 bucks a tee, and maybe they'll sell it for, like, triple or something. And then just Depending, flip. yeah. Huh, that's interesting. Well, fucking yeah. Rollies, like, you're you're talking about a couple Gs, not a couple hundred, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, dude, you talking to Steve, those Richard Mills, he buys it at retail. Say there's 30... Of those certain watches in the world, Richard Mills buys it at retail for two hundred grand. Right off the bat, it's worth five hundred. Like he could sell it for five hundred grand That's and make three hundred. It's like holy fuck! It's wild. Like I don't really know nothing much about Richard Mill, uh, as far as like, but just like looking at the watch, you wouldn't think it's like a 
crazy expensive watch, right? Like, I don't know the history or, like, how it's even, like... Yeah, I don't either. Who is Richard Mill? Yeah. Is he a rapper? <laughs> no, for <laughs> real. No, I don't think so. It has to have some, like, some history behind it. Like, all the brands that are, like, like Gucci, Louis, like, fucking Rolex, like, they all have history. Uh-huh. So, it's, like, there's no way, like, this is, like, a new, new thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. So these these like people like I don't know maybe Happy Jewelers, maybe Timepiece Trading, they must have a good hookup on retail watches, buy the retail watches and then they upsell them. Maybe I don't fucking know, but dude, like a AP or a Paddock, like it's a whole fucking world. The watches are a crazy world, and right now I got sent this article that these things are better investments than houses they're more solid investments than houses and instead of your money just sitting in the bank fucking depreciating you might as well put it into something i would think damn so it's not even it says richard mills introduced when 2001 so they're newer damn i thought they'd just been around forever like rollies dang and it seems like with those with those watches they just come out let me read that real quick the top or uh, which one? I'll read that. The f- or, yeah. <laughs> the first Richard Mill timepiece introduced the RM001. This is followed by the Turbillion. Richard Mill introduces the Turbillion. Uh, for a long time, I wished to launch my own brand. I wanted to create a new business model for Richard's marketing strategy, something total original. My goal is to create a new ultra high end luxury segment with high end watch business. Hmm. So I wonder if he just like makes like the best of the best but just puts out like small batches so they're hard to get yeah it must because it seems like everyone like the timepiece trading people's post it says 30 in the world or 10 in the world or 15 in the world it's crazy huh it is crazy so after we got the watches got a good hookup on those i was happy about that we um did mean you we, we went back to the hotel ate some tacos and then we took a little nap a little siesta felt good sleeping and then we went to the fights oh wait no no we did we bust out the podcast with uh brad and steve yeah and that's not our new podcast room that was in houston this uh this little company let us use their podcast room and we didn't expect that we thought it was going to be like a bigger bigger spot but it was fucking tiny little room probably like seven feet by ten feet room but i'm glad it worked out the audio was good yeah, it was good. Like, I mean, it wasn't our setup, so it wasn't like how we usually have it. People yeah. People kind of like complaining about it a little bit, but we did what we could with what we had. Yeah, the de- <laughs> yeah, exactly. The best we could. But I think we're going to start doing that more. I think we're going to, every time we travel, um, every time we do, do a seminar or whatever, we're going to try to find a guest, a good guest, and do the pods on the road and start busting them out with uh, bigger guests. Oh uh, yes, and then we then we went to the fights. I, we caught Kyler's fight on the on the phone in our room. We weren't able to get there yet. Early prelims, there was blah 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 blah. blah. We didn't really catch up with those. Andre Arlovsky, damn, he won a decision. That dude's been around. Andre Arlovsky, dude, thirty three and twenty is his record. He has been around. Roxanne Modafferi, she retired twenty five and twenty one. Peaceful warrior. She's a f- character. I thought Kyler's submission was in round two. It was in round. Oh no, it was in round three, right? Yeah, I think it was round three. Fucking impressive, dude. Crazy. 
so impressive. Round three, two. People don't realize how hard it is to finish a fucking triangle after you're so fucking fatigued. Triangles take a lot of energy to finish, especially when people are tough and they're not going to tap to just pass them out. I mean, they're not going to just tap from not being able to breathe. You're going to have to pass them out. But he hooked up that triangle. I thought the kid was out. Kyler Phillips versus Marcelo Rojo. I thought his face was out. But then he kind of sucked him back in and he switched it to the armbar and the kid tapped. Kyler is back in action. Fucking good for him. But we knew that was going to happen. Kid's fucking savage. Uh, And then the main card. Oh, yeah, they put Bobby Green on the main card. We'll just talk about the, the last three. Jared Kennear versus Brunson. I think Jared's going to come either on the Timbo Sugar Show next week or the Red Hawk recap next week. Whatever day he's free, but he said he's down. But, dude, he looked fucking great against Brunson. He looked fucking great, dude. Wasn't loading up his punches at all. Right off the bat, you could see it, the speed difference was huge. Like, Jared was so much more fucking quick than him. But Brunson, Brunson looked fatigued, but I think he always looks fatigued. Like, I think he just kind of fights like he just looks gassed. And he takes some funky shots, but Jared was just technically doing everything right, dude. He was doing a great job at stuffing those shots. Even early on, Brunson had took him down, had him mounted, and Jared did everything right. Getting his half guard back, bumping his single. He had that like, sloppy rear naked choke on, on uh, Jared, too. Do you remember that? It was like towards the end of the first round. There's probably like 20 seconds left. And Jared's like, I'm not tapping to that yeah. shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, Remember? It I was like, like, oh, shit. But it was like pretty like sloppy. It was like more like a face crush almost. And, yeah, it was like this. Like, yeah. But still, yeah. like some people would have tapped to that. And you could tell like Jared's like, fuck that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I was so impressed how Jared looked. He just looked, especially coming after that fight with Whitaker. That was his first fight back from Robert Whitaker, I'm pretty sure. Look just sharp as fuck. It's crazy. Him and Israel fighting. That that's yeah, just I'm crazy. Sure they're gonna make that because remember Israel had said a while ago he wanted to fight Cannonier. When he yeah. fought Whitaker, he like was going for Cannonier. Yeah, it only makes sense. I just don't not think they're gonna give the fight to Strickland. Especially Strickland's fight wasn't that impressive. And Has Jared Strickland and Jared fought or no? No. And Jared goes away and fucking puts Brunson out, puts his lights out, the corner threw in the towel which was smart for them so he doesn't have to take some more just punishment. Um, but, yeah, I'm always so impressed with Jared, especially on fight day. Because in the room, it's like, yeah, he's got some good skills in the room, but I think a lot of times he's just working on things with people. So a lot of people sometimes beat him in the room, but he's just working on different shit. And then the fight comes, and he just always turns it on. He's so game. It's freaking sweet, dude. Good dude. Pumped to have him on here. Especially especially his uh his story all the way from heavyweight. I don't know. It's gonna be sweet. And then Derek Lewis tied to Avasa. This is where the the manager, um one of one of the people who helps me with the management messaged me and said, Hey, my bookie's good to go. I said, I'm not gonna do my bookie. It's too soon. I mean it's too too late in the day. I'm just gonna skip it. But I'm glad I didn't because I would have picked Derek Lewis to win. Derek Lewis is fucking giant, really sharp boxing, explosive. I would have probably fucked everyone's parlay up with that. And Tai Tuivasa, 
dude, that dude is just a fucking fighter. It was smart by him, though. Coming out at the beginning, as soon as they'd get in flurries, he'd put them against the fence. He'd tie up. He'd kind of crash. Boom. And meet him. Put against the fence a little bit. So he's not just sitting there at distance and just slugging with Derek, which at one point he was. And then he cracks him with that elbow, dude, and face plants him. I don't think anyone's done that to Derek Lewis. Have they? I don't think they've I was literally thinking the same thing. I was like, I don't ever think he's been dropped or knocked out like that. Because if I would have put Parley, I would have put Lewis too. Yeah. But like you always say, like the heavyweights are so hard to call because it's like they're both, someone's getting dropped. You know what I mean? Yeah, whoever lands first. <laughs> whoever fucking lands first. Serial gone. Okay, TKO'd him. Junior TKO'd him. Uh, Cormier submission. The Mark Hunt TKO'd him too. But man, good for fucking uh, Ty, dude. That's crazy. So Ty moves up to number three in the rankings, I think. Number three or four in the rankings, which is insane. You see that dude. You see his body. But, dude, he's just a fucking fighter. He, you can tell. Even when he's walking out, he's got a smile on his face. He just It's just not a big deal to him. He's got sharp boxing, too. Sharp boxing, explosive. And then, uh, so, man, what's, what's next for a tie? Fuck. What do those rankings say real quick? Um... UFC heavy weight. Ty versus Francis. And imagine if Ty just fucking crumpled him. And he's the heavyweight king. That would be insane. Yeah, so Ty two of Austin number three. Stipe number two. And Serial one. Man, I wonder who they're going to give him next. You think Stipe still, is he retired or no? Is he still scrapping? I think they're talking about, I, I saw John Jones tweet it talking about he wants to fight Stipe if the fans want that John Jones versus Ty holy shit <laughs> dude I feel like out of those all the top five though top six top seven top eight top nine top ten the fight besides John Jones and Francis that will sell the most pay-per-views and will get people most pumped is Ty Tuivasa Francis but that was Francis's last fight on the contract, right? I believe so, but I just remember hearing Dana interview like some weird. If he wins that fight, he automatically owes him another fight. Uh, something along those lines. I swear I heard Dana I say that in an interview. I'm Even sure. Even though he has two, and that was his last one, or something like that. Yeah. If he wins it, it's just like a they owe. He owes him one still on top of that. Yeah. I'm if sure. he would have lost, like he would have been good. Like, uh-huh. I swear I heard Dana say that in an interview. I, dude, I'm sure there's something in there that's keeping him attached. Um, I- Israel versus Whitaker. Man, the first round, Israel came out, and and he's standing at such a long range, such an uncomfortable range for Robert, but a pretty comfortable range for Israel. So long, and, and knows how to use that range too. Snapping his jabs way at the end of his punches. And he, on, on the balls of his feet, going back and forth, like, there, I thought there was nothing Robert was going to be able to do. Change levels, lunge in with the 3-2. He did that a couple times. It wasn't even close. Um, but Robert made it a tough fight. What a tough motherfucker Robert is. Especially after that first, first round, like, fuck, I can't even touch this dude. 
a couple times he scored takedowns, and I think people were looking at those takedowns like, oh, he won from that. Every time Robert scored a takedown, he didn't land one punch from the view I was sitting at. He took him down a handful of times, I think. He took him down, what, four or five times? It was like, what's considered a takedown? Because like, he took him down, like, but then... Is he kept like coming up pretty quick though? Yeah, you know what do you I mean? What do you consider a takedown? Is in, in wrestling, you take someone down, they go to their stomach. As soon as their knee hits, it's gonna be two points. Or go like go behind them. Where like they take him down, stand up real quick. Does it? Not no. two points. Yeah. You gotta control them in jujitsu. So, but yeah, a lot of people were looking at it like, oh man, he took him down. He took him down, but he didn't do any damage, which I think is a good way to judge. If someone takes you down. And doesn't fucking punch you. Then it doesn't really matter. That one time he did threaten the rear naked a little bit. But Izzy did a great job dude. His team had him so prepared. And I feel like Israel just keeps getting better dude. Keeps getting better. And keeps getting more confident. And even when he did get taken down. he He's not a thick thick dude. But he just did all the right things. Stuffed the fucking head. Got to the fence. Fought hands. Got up. He looked really good. Everyone's like, oh, Kamzat, Kamzat could fuck Israel. I'm like, I don't know, dude. If he grabbed him, maybe, but that's gonna be the that's gonna be the tough part is fucking grabbing a hold of him without For getting real. pieced up. Probably get dropped before he could grab him. Yeah. And I don't know. It'll tell a lot if uh Kamzat what he does to Gilbert. Or if he gets one of those yeah, those guys. True. But I don't I don't think Kamzat could beat Kamaru. Kamaru is up, dude. Kamaru is like, he knows how to fucking use his long jab. His hands are up. He's super fucking sharp. And he can wrestle. But it's so hard to say. We don't know how good Kamzat is. If Kamzat just ragdolls Gilbert, grabs (laughs) hold of him and ragdolls him, it's like you can't really count him out. Yeah, that would be crazy if he does that to Burns. (laughs) Yeah, he does that to Burns. He does that to Usman. He does that to Israel. Double champ. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah, for Israel though, Israel. I mean, Israel's got to get through Jared now. That's going to be a tough, a super tough fight for Jared. Can he do it? Of course, he can. Obviously, he could do it. He's just going to have to stay sharp and take some risks against Israel. He's going to have to cut off the cage and and get in his grill a little bit, get close to him, and dot him up. Easier said than done. But he's going to have to do that because standing out in Israel's range, how fast he is and how long he is, I think no one, I don't think anyone's going to beat him standing in in front of him like that. Man, it'd be insane to see Jared as a champion, though. It's freaking awesome. Freaking awesome. So after the fights, we, uh, well, we got to go to Dana's, I think. I think it's his private VIP room or whatever with Steve and Brad and them. And they have a a nice buffet there. They always have good snacks because at first they didn't let us up there. They made us go to the VIP lounge that was up kind of with a bunch of fans. But once Sean got up there, all the fans were like, whoa, they just went crazy. And then Reed Harris, one of the UFC higher ups is like, all right, we got to get him out of here. And then he got him into Dana's suite where we were able to eat snacks and just chill out, which is nice. It was funny, Steve, that, that a lady came up to Steve. She's like, my son is the biggest fan of you. He's 14 years old. 
can you give him a shout out? And Steve, Steve said something funny, but then he kissed his mom, kissed the kid's mom, and then the kid's mom sucked on his finger. That was that was funny. Oh yeah, Ricky S- Simone came up to Sean, and I think he said, he said, "Hey, when are we gonna do it? The fans want it." Um, and Sean said, "When I'm champion, if you can make it up." If you can make it up and get to get to me, then we'll do it. And then he just walked away. Kind of a funny little interaction. After the fights, fights got done. We pieced out, went back to Bottle Blonde. And then they had the tables. The clubs, dude, the tables. Fuck, the chicks. It is just such a life that can just suck you in, dude. Because these girls, they think they think everyone at the table has so much money or clout or whatever. So those girls are just so fucking flirty and hot. Then party bus after Rahelio's house that was like an hour away. Didn't get too fucked up. Still had some drinks. Had some fun. And uh and then that was it. Woke up and then um our boy George brought us to uh, the country club where we were able to eat a nice breakfast, really good breakfast, and these cool, these guys are uh, called Private Club Exotics. I think Private Club Exotics or Private Car Exotics. They let us pick, yeah, Private Club Exotics in Houston. They let us pick a car. They either had a Maybach that we could drive or the Rolls Royce that we could drive. So we picked the Rolls Royce, and that was fun cruising around. Felt like fucking Biggie Smalls. <laughs> for it's pretty wild but i was thinking like i wouldn't want that as my daily driver it's like a weekend car you know what i mean or you're going out to dinner or something yeah i was surprised i didn't think it was that sweet the coolest part about that car i thought was the lights on the ceiling yeah that's what they're known for oh really yeah yeah that was pretty cool and it, it was like a boat a big fucking boat <laughs> for real but it's hard to beat comfort wise the teslas it's just fucking hard to beat them. But that Maybach, they brought us, they gave us a ride to the airport in the Maybach, and that was a nice fucking car. I think the sickest car we've been in is the McLaren. That one? I would want a McLaren out of all of them. Yeah, the McLaren, that was crazy. Crazy, too. You uh, see, they're trying to book up, I was trying to find it, Brian Ortega and Yair. Yeah, that's a cool one. Sick one. Yeah, it's a good little fight there. Uh, What else is new? Still dealing with the new gym, the new studio. We got the new, I got the new carpet up, got the studio painted, and now my boy Marcelo is painting the walls right now. We got the lights hung up on the walls, so it's not going to be so crammed. And then, um, yeah, been a little bit stressful still. Now, now at the new gym, searching for a cage to put up, painted the whole cage. I mean, painted the whole gym. So everything's moving good with the gym. I still got to rent out my suite, so I'm not on the hook for two places. But I still got a couple months to do that, and we got some people biting. So that's going good. Um, Bachelor. Still watching The Bachelor. It ain't scripted, G. <laughs> it ain't. Mariah's friend from Missoula is. went on there. Did she? Or he. And what he said. Did they give him a script or what? No, they didn't give him a script. That means all <laughs> of them are good actors. But, dude, what trips me out about that show, it's like, okay, the, these guys have six weeks 
to find their partner that they're going to propose to. They're going to get married to this person. And there's like 20 fucking girls that they're hanging out with. So they get to hang out with the girl max maybe five, six hours in six weeks max. And then decide that they're going to marry them. It's It's like you don't get to see that girl when she's fucking tired. When she's got no makeup. When she's hungry. Or when she's fucking angry. Or when she's on her period. Like girls... Some of those girls on there are fucking psychopaths, dude. This one girl called Shanene. <laughs> She's fucking psycho, dude. She finally got kicked off last night, thank God. But dude, The Bachelor, it's it's like it's good and it's fun to watch, but it's so cheesy in some ways. The fact that they're looking, they're going to propose at the end of it. It's like, dude, are you serious? You don't know these people's family. Their family could be fucking psychopaths. That's what I'm saying, it's just like a this is like a social experiment. I feel like it's it's a TV show, obviously. It's not, yeah. There's no way it's real. And I always wonder, is those, for all those girls, is that guy their type? 100% is it their type, or are they trying to win the competition? Because what do you get if you win? Like, do you get money? I don't think you get money. You get love, true love, <laughs> and eternal happiness. I've been watching Euphoria. It's a crazy show. Everyone's been talking about that. It's like super good. Like the way it's shot, the story. Is it about, what is it? What's just the kind of a gist? So the gist is like the main character is basically like a drug addict. She's just like super depressed. And she's like, it's like a bunch of high schoolers. And they just like party, fucking do drugs and just a bunch of drama. I I really enjoy it because of like whoever like shoots, the way they shoot it, like it's like the scenes and the cinematography is like f- crazy good, but they, people kind of make fun of it because it's like, how the fuck are these guys high schoolers and stuff? Because they look like a little bit older than oh. high schoolers. Like, if anything, I feel like they could have sold it as they're in college, but yeah, they just do drugs, have sex, and drama. Yeah, ever a lot of people have been obsessed with that show. Taya says she's watching it for the second time. I'm like, damn, so it must be good. Yeah, it's super good. It must be good. God, I love chat with my mom. I now I'm on I go I chat with my mom every Tuesday night. And every time we get into a a debate, a friendly debate about religion. And right now she's dealing with the the rule that Jehovah's Witnesses have that her ex-husband's a fucking douche. A huge fucking douche, a just sketchy douchebag. And he cheated on her. But for her to be able to date again or even get remarried, he has to go to the elders and admit that he was unfaithful. So until then, she can't date or she can't look for another partner until he goes and admits to the church that he was unfaithful. I'm like, if he never admits. Well, then no dating again. <laughs> I'm like, that rule is so fucking outdated, mom. Who wrote that? That's the thing. <laughs> That's the thing with all these different Bibles. There's so many different Bibles. There's the old translation. There's the new world translation. I so I told my mom, I said, okay, well, don't get too caught up on this new translation because there's going to be a new, new translation when, it, when, when they want. And the Bible was written through guys, humans, that says they were writing the Bible through God. And what if I I was like, mom, what if I told you, mom, I promise on everything. I promise on like everything that God is making me write this right now. Would you believe me or how many people would believe me? 
fucking none. I would. Except my G, <laughs> Jay. He would believe me. And then holiday, she's she's just like, my my boss is just um, ridiculing me and making me work, work at the mattress store on the holidays, and I want to see my, I want to see my family too. I'm like, mom, well if I'm running a company and I said who's ready for Christmas, who celebrates Christmas, and everyone raises their hand, they can't wait, and then you don't raise your hand, you don't celebrate Christmas. It's like okay, perfect, you can work that day since it's just a normal day to you. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, they put on the music, they they play the music. They they do all the decorations. I'm like, they were probably had some really good memories as a kid with Christmas and music and families coming together. So you can't hate them for that. It's like every, okay, I've been celebrating some holidays with Mariah's family. It's not like we celebrate the holidays and the meaning of the holiday. holidays. It's a good time for the family to come. We eat some food. We hang out. It's like... <laughs> I don't know. Some of the religious rules are so fucking outdated. And then when it comes to the literature, I was asking her last night, I'm like, why aren't women allowed to write the literature? And why aren't women allowed to be elders in the congregation and to be higher ups and do some of the talks? She's like, okay, well that's my homework for next week. Then I'm like, like the men are just so superior to the women. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Kind of true. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that was the thing with us too. Remember, like girls couldn't vote for the longest, and there's still like a lot of sexism in like the work area where people argue that guys always get paid more than girls. Yeah. Like still to this day. Do they? I think some. I always hear like people kind of complaining about that. I don't. I don't know how true it is, but I would think it is because we see it pop yeah. up and shit. Yeah, but God, I wish I could record some of my conversations with my mom. They're so fucking funny. Aren't you gonna bring her on the pod? If she, when she comes and visits, I'll bring her on the pod and, and sit here with her. But it's just perfect. Whatever question or whatever thing you have, they'll go to jw.org and it'll have the answer. And then she was trying to tell me, like in the scripture, it says our God is a jealous God. I'm like, Mom, find somewhere where jealousy is a good emotion to have try to tell me where jealousy is a good it's a good thing to be jealous mm-hmm. like there's none i forgot like <clears throat> i heard a while ago what's the difference from jealousy and envy like is envy the one where like it's like a lot of more like like say i'm envious of you like i want something bad to happen to you and then someone put it where when you're jealous it could either drive you to do better i don't know Hmm. There's like a a difference between jealousy and envy, but I mean, for the most part, yeah. A feeling of discontented or resentful longing aroused by someone else's possessions, Is that jealousy qualities, or, envy? or luck. Envy. So I feel like envy is like the more negative version of jealousy. Oh, okay. I don't know. Jealousy's got to be negative too, yeah. though. There's no way it's it's like good in any way. But it's just another word for it. Yeah, that's true. I feel like. Is envy the same as jealousy? Envy means discontented longing for someone else's advantage. Jealousy means unpleasant suspicion or apprehension of rivalship. Blah, 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 blah. Um, we'll go over this uh, James Clear article real quick because I like to go over these. The first one of February 10th, um, February 10th newsletter is, he says, success unlocks both opportunities and distractions. 
And holy fuck is that true, dude. We could be going somewhere literally every single weekend to do some shit. And everyone wants to do do like business deals with you. And everybody wants you to come to their place. And everyone's going to pay you to do it. And everyone wants to hang out. It's just like, holy fuck. It's good that we don't live in a crazy... We live in fucking Peoria and Waddell, Arizona. I don't imagine living like L.A. or something. Fuck, yeah. I would not want to live over there. Okay, number two. Most things are not as difficult as they <laughs> seem if you focus each day. However, giving one topic your full attention for an extended period of time is even harder than it seems. Over a long time not timeline, the bottleneck is usually attention, not ability. Pretty good. Number three. The greatest rewards in life are often delayed. The financial benefits of work and investing, the emotional benefits of marriage and friendship, the psychological benefits of creating something that matters. Meaningful outcomes take a long time to grow and compound. Furthermore, most pursuits involve other people, coworkers, spouses, children, peers. If you want your results to continue to grow, then you need relationships that last. One of the essential ingredients for success is being pleasant and trustworthy because it allows whatever you are building, a business, relationship, a project, to continue. Many relationships disintegrate before the rewards accumulate. It's pretty good. Um, What else here? Number two... It is important to remember that the viciousness and wrongs of life stick out very plainly, but that even at the worst times there is a great deal of goodness, kindness, and day-to-day decency that goes unnoticed and makes no headlines. Pretty good. Question for you. Entrepreneur and investor Sam Altman says some of the best advice he ever received was, if you can't figure out what kind of work you like, pay attention to what's easy to concentrate on and gives you energy. Versus what makes you tune out and feel tired. That's a good one. What's easy for you to concentrate on? That's good, dude. Um, Anytime, any fucking time I'm stressed or I'm doing some bullshit, I just can't wait for jujitsu. As soon as I get into jujitsu, as soon as I get into my, my rounds where I'm getting tired, someone's put me in a bad spot, I'm putting them in a bad spot, that's where I feel like my mind is... Not most happy, but it's just really just super, super just there in the moment. And I really fucking enjoy it. Um, but that's good. If you can't figure out what kind of work you like, pay attention to what's to what's easy to concentrate on and gives you energy. That's good. Real good. Uh, another thing I wanted to talk about because we were getting questions about it is wrestling transition to jiu-jitsu. Wrestlers transition to jiu-jitsu very well. I mean, wrestling's about controlling your opponent and just kind of having wrestlers learn jiu-jitsu pretty easy. Um, but the I thing... I feel like sometimes they... What I've realized, even like with good-ass wrestlers, like obviously they'll take me down, mm-hmm. but then they just get super confused like in the guard because they're not used to the guy being on their back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that and that usually that's pretty easy to to fix with a wrestler. It's like you tell the wrestler keep your hands on them, hands on them, keep your posture up, and keep your hips square with their hips. As soon as their hips under, if they're on their back and their hips start to get an angle, 
That's when you got to be careful. You got to square up with their hips right away. Square up with their hips. But the things that really give wrestlers problems, like good wrestlers, even I, we have some Division One All Americans coming in that have been doing jujitsu for a while, but still Kimura traps, Kimuras that Kimura lock isn't legal in wrestling. So someone shoots a single leg on you, and I reach re- reach cross body and I grab a Kimura then they're lost. They're not going to be able to finish. And then I sit back, they go to their back, they try to roll my head and then now I'm on their back. But the Kimura traps is, it, it's a whole, it opens a whole nother fucking world to a bunch of shit. So Kimura traps give wrestlers trouble at the beginning. Guillotines. Obviously guillotines. Shooting a high crotch. Shooting with your head outside. And and it's a little bit easier because you see a lot of wrestlers, they shoot a high crotch to a double leg. They flare the legs the right way. So if you tell a wrestler, hey, shoot, and you got to flare, flare their legs and get onto that side quick. But you can't sit there and hang out there on your knees with your head outside, for sure. Guillotines, fucking Dars chokes, anacondas. And then body triangles. Body triangles are another thing that are illegal in wrestling. And then it makes it way more confusing to get out. You you slap a, a tight body triangle on someone. It's pretty conf- it's not confusing, but there's there's steps you have to do the right way to get out. You're not really going to be able to just guess and get out. When Michael Chandler got out of the body triangle with Charles Olivier out, did he have the body triangle locked up, or did he go back to both hooks and then Michael Chandler spun? No, I think. I'm pretty sure he still had it. Was that when he like just jumped and just slammed him? And then he turned around towards and him? And then he explosively turned into him. Yeah. I think he's just like super athletic. And shit yeah. Because that's not going to work on every... Not everybody's that... I don't remember. I think him. he had still two-on-ones on the wrist. And then he Let's felt his legs loosen it. up and he turned into him a decent way. There's this uh, body triangle escape I learned from Vinny Magalies, who's like a jiu-jitsu world champion. I learned it from him in Vegas. And it's super, like, efficient. Um, what is it? It's the body triangle where you get go two on one, get it to the other side of the head, and then I thread my arm through. I taught you it before. Oh, damn, this full fight's on the tube already? Let me see if I can find that when Charles took his back. <laughs> that would have been crazy if he guillotined Charles. Like, what? Fuck, wouldn't that have been no crazy? Way. Just change history. Oh, right here. Cause he took his back. I was like, "Fuck!" I think everyone thought right when he took his back, it's yeah, over, I it was dude. A wrap right here too. I was like, "There's no way he's getting out of this." Let's see if I could fast forward right here. I'll put this up on the vid on as we're talking. He took his back because I think he just slams him right here. See, boom. boom, yep. And I'm like, "Oh fuck, dude! He might take this whole round. This yeah, might be the right. whole round, and he might get his neck." Because he isn't just fucking choky, he face cranks you too. So if he gets just over your lips and he gets his hands connected. Fucking Charles back control, huh? Yeah, I wonder how he gets out right Ooh, nasty elbow. Yeah, I'm fucking pumped for Charles' the next fight. I'm going to be pumped. Keep, keep going a little bit. He stays on his back for a while. 240 in, he's still on his back. Oh, wait, he got out right there. How did he get out? Oh, back right here. Boom. Nice. 
Yeah, Charles kind of let it go a little bit, and then he moved at the right time, so that was super nice. Playing a little De La Hiva right here. <laughs> Did you mm-hmm, see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what else we got today? Me and Jay are going to try to fix up the new studio a little bit today because now we have two rooms. We have one room just specially for the Red Hawk recap and then one room for the or the Timbo Sugar Show podcast. So today we're just going to go probably decorate it a little bit, and I got to roll tonight. Roll in the gi in the no gi tonight. I'm supposed to go do these fucking sprints on the Airdyne. I don't want to do them. But Brandon's having you hold your breath for 15 seconds and explode as hard as you can on the Airdyne. For 15 seconds, holding your breath and then get off and then do a little bit of stance and motion. If you're doing MMA shadow boxing, a little bit of stance and motion, trying to breathe, get your heart rate back under control for a certain number of times. So that'll be a bitch. A real bitch. Yeah, we're at like 44. Yeah, it's perfect. That is perfect. Okay, guys. Uh, still, if you support, if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash redhawkacademy. There's a $3 tier, a $5 tier, and a $10 tier. And I know, like, some of the, some of the listeners aren't, like, probably very old, 18 to whatever age, so you don't have a lot of money. So most of the stuff I post for the $3 tier, just so everyone can see it. It's not that big of a deal. There's a $25 tier, too. But like I said, you'll have access to the archive, which there's hundreds of hundreds of posts, hundreds of videos that you'll, you'll not see on the YouTube or anything. And if not, just like and subscribe. It helps out. Um, next week, I'm having Paul Check on the pod, which will be sweet. I'm pumped to just sit there and talk, me and Paul Check for an hour. And then the week after that, I'll probably have Kyler Phillips on the pod. And then the week after that, I'll probably have my buddy David Bulldog Michaud on the pod, who's got a pretty crazy story, too. Um, and then this weekend... On the Timbo Sugar Show, we're having Primal, the carnivore MD on Instagram. The guy who talks about eating the raw meats and eating just the fruits. I'm going to have him on the podcast. I'm going to talk about if that diet, if he thinks that diet is just good for everyone, including explosive athletes. Guys that are doing explosive workouts sometimes twice a day. Can you get away with eating that kind of diet? I'm going to ask him those kind of questions. So, um, yeah, like, subscribe, comment. Thanks a lot, you guys. Um, that's it. See you guys next week. Peace. Peter, going to shuffle in. I'm going to throw a two, one, and I'm going to come over the top.